Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, find life, make a difference, and reach our world. If you have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online simply by going to gracelife.church or on our YouTube channel. You can always find video content of all our messages as well as services for your preschool and elementary school kids. Heaven and Hell. Is heaven just a place where we sing forever in the clouds? Is hell really that worse? While many of us believe we know where we're going, we actually know very little about where we're going. Join us as we wrestle common questions and misconceptions about both heaven and hell, as well as host a special Q&A where we'll answer your questions. Text HHQ to 803-881-8000 to submit a question for the final week of the series. Now, join us as we discover more about what comes after life on Earth. All right, hey everybody, welcome to Grace Life. How are you guys doing? Hey, if you would, do me a favor, put your hands together and help me welcome all of our first-time guests, both in the room and online. So glad to have you guys worshiping with us. Welcome. Well, uh, if this is your first time here, we are in a series. We're actually finishing it today. Today is part three, short little series we've been doing uh, on heaven and hell. So that means that's the last time you're gonna get to see that video. And uh, this is all based out of some really important words Jesus said. Uh, He was talking about he will return, and when he returns, there will be a great judgment. Every person who has ever lived, as well as everyone who is alive, will stand before him. And some will go to eternal life, some will go to eternal punishment. And so we've been looking at what those words mean and what the Bible says about those. Part one, uh, what is heaven like? There's a whole lot of us that plan on going there, and... uh, uh, but we may not know a whole lot about what it's actually going to be like. Uh, the second one was, what's the truth about hell? And uh, so that was online, both of those. If you've missed either of them today, what we're doing is simply answering questions that you've asked throughout the series. And uh, to help me out, Senior Associate Pastor Kent Fancher, everybody welcome him yeah. to the stage. Glad to have him with me. Good to be here. And so Kent's going to ask the questions and add any Wonderful commentary, help out. Help me with these. Some of these are challenging, so I'm going to need his help for uh, these as we go through them. Um, and so, you know, here's the, uh, I'll go ahead and tell you up front, we're not going to get to every question that you asked because there were too many. We're going to do our best. We're going to go as quick as we can. Uh, and also, you know, it's funny when we do this Q&A on heaven and hell, uh, we always get more questions on hell than on heaven, which is interesting because I'm thinking that most of us hopefully are not going yeah. there, but... I want to ask a lot of questions about the place I'm not going. But anyway, that's okay. Look, so uh, by the nature. I don't want to eat liver. I'm not eating liver. I hate liver. I'm not asking any more questions about liver. I'm with you. Uh, So here's the problem. Uh, That's about as funny as it's going to be today because. (laughs) This means laugh or clap. Okay. We we don't have one of those signs, you know, like for talk show host where, you know, you applaud or you laugh. Every now and then. clap. Yeah, you got it. All right. Okay, but, but the problem is, as I was saying, when you have a lot of questions on hell, it's not going to be an inherently funny day. So there you go. Funny. Take it away. Okay. Let's jump in. That's why you got me up here. Make it funny. Okay. No, that's not true. First question. Can those who are in heaven come back to earth to see their loved ones? Uh, to the best of our knowledge, the answer is no. And based on something Jesus said out of Luke 16, we're going to try to give you as much scripture in our answers as we can, by the way. Jesus was teaching on heaven and hell, and he was talking about 
the, the separation between the two. Here's what he said. He said, besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and the none may cross from there to us. And so, look, if no one can travel from hell to heaven or heaven to hell, there's not a lot of reason to believe that any of them are going to travel from hell or heaven to earth. Because uh, first of all, what we know is anyone in hell does not get a field trip. That's an important thing for you to keep in mind. Uh, once you're there, it's going to be the most boring class ever. No field trips, all right? And uh, then the other thing is no one in heaven wants a field trip. And, and this is where we're still thinking like earth, you know, which is, oh, man, I, I miss Aunt Sally and, and her famous apple pie so much. I just got to go back. No, 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 look, when you are in heaven and you're having the feast of heaven, which is an apple pie, I'm assuming angels or something, you know, or whatever, and you are in the presence of God, perfectly holy God, you are face to face with Jesus Choirs are singing. I mean, our worship was pretty good today, but choirs of and thousands, millions of people. Nobody is going to be saying, I wonder how Aunt Sally is doing. Let me go have some apple pie on earth. It's just not going to happen. I'm sorry to tell you that. Once you get to heaven and you have the mind frame of heaven, nobody is going to want to go back to earth. We've got no scriptural reason to believe anybody is going to do that anyway. No. Most of the things we see on TV about heaven and hell are not real. Just so you know. There you go. Right. Okay. Why does God allow for hell? That should have shown up a little later. We had a chance to move that too, and we didn't. Why is that? That's a hard what? question. So early up front. I wonder who put these in order. Oh, well. Uh, look, so I would encourage you, if you are asking this, to go back to part two, maybe, and yeah. check that out, because we talked a little more in depth about why there is hell and why God allows that. And, uh, first of all, what we have to, to understand as we're asking this question is that we, we like to take God apart and focus on some of him more than the rest of him, and that simply doesn't work that way. Uh, God is all of himself all of the time in anything that he does. And that's really the good news, by the way. If anyone here has sinned and the justice of God comes to you in your life to, to pour out the wrath of God, aren't you grateful that as the justice and wrath of God come to you that so does the love and mercy of God? Yeah. Does anybody want the wrath of God on you for what you did last week without the love of God? Anybody? Yeah, we, we don't. We want those to go together. And that's the good news, that even when God corrects us, he does it in love. You can't take God apart. But it's what we do. We like to quote some verses more than others. We, we like to talk about how much God is love and leave out the Bible verse that says God is just. Yeah. But if he's love, he's also just, and he's <laughs> not more love than He is who he is all the time. What that means is God is just as well. And God has to deal with being a just God. And we as humanity have offended the perfect holy nature of God. And he has to do something about that. Yeah. And so to help give you a, a mind frame, I want everybody to do this as quickly as you can. I want you to imagine the most atrocious crime that could be committed against the most innocent person, whatever that is for you, just, just imagine that. Whatever comes to your mind, the most atrocious crime to the most innocent person, and forgive me for making you think that, but here's the point. Now I want you to imagine God looking at that as it happens and says, ah, no big deal, who cares? I mean, that would be horrific, wouldn't it? 
That would be really sad if God says, I don't care, nobody cares, just let those kind of things happen. And so the good news is justice in us rises up because we're made in the image of God and says, no, someone needs to do something about that. Well, he does. Mm -hmm. He deals with the injustice that takes place. And, uh, you know, we always get caught up as we preach on heaven and hell, talk about this. And, uh, and honestly, as a pastor, you talk to people all the time, and, and we get caught up on why does God allow for hell? Why does God make a hell? Why is there a hell? And I said it in part two. I really want to bring everybody back to that. Don't get stuck on the fact that there's a hell. Get stuck on the fact that God provided a way for us not to go there. Get stuck on the fact that even though there is a hell because God is just and God does have to deal with sin, that in his love, he made a way for none of us to be there. Yeah. And that, to me, is what we need to remember yeah. and celebrate. Yeah, because last week you mentioned that God created hell for the devil and his angels, not for us. Right. Yeah. It, so, it would not be preferred that we're yeah, there in the first not, place. not his preference. And yet some of us get real offended. Yeah, that's right. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. So he's working right now to prepare a place for us. In heaven. In heaven. There we go. That's a good place. <laughs> so the justice of God is the answer to that question. Yeah. If God knows everything that is and will be, doesn't he already know who is going to heaven and hell? What is our role? Uh, so the first question and the answer is yes. Yeah. Uh, God knows the end before the beginning. God's not restricted by time like us. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that our names, if we're going to heaven, are written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundations of the world, even though they play out in time. So it's really important to remove our human time frame from God. That's, that's the first yeah. issue there. Um, and so then someone says, what is our role? Um, well, what is our role? What should we do? Well, we should pray. Pray. Scripture all kinds of guidance to us to pray, right? Pray for our, our rulers. Pray for each other. Pray for people. So worship. Yep. Worship. Absolutely worship. Obey God. Whatever That's his word says, we yep. obey him, which is worship yep. in and of itself. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we, we could sum up everything that we should be doing right now in that sense. But I always want to give a warning with a question like this, because what happens when, uh, especially when I teach theology and, and people get in there for the first time, they're like, what? God knows how it's going to end? Well, what's the point? And uh, a lot of people kind of have the idea, well, if the end is already determined, then nothing matters. And this is really one of the great mysteries. I'm, I'm looking forward to that moment in heaven when God says, all right, everybody, sit down in a big circle. I'm going to finally explain this mystery <laughs> that you've all wondered. Because there is a mystery as to how our lives matter, how our actions and our decisions yeah. are part of the end that God knows will be. And so I always want to encourage people against what I call, and most people call, fatalism, meaning whatever will be, will be. There's nothing I can do about it. And it's the idea, I'm going to stand in front of a train, and if it's not my time to die, God will throw the train off the tracks. Um, don't try that personally. <laughs> uh, it's really foolish to just say, well, it doesn't matter. If God knows the end, it doesn't matter. Well, if God knows the end, why should I pray? Because for whatever reason, and again, when we get to heaven, we're going to ask God, how did that work? You know, it, it's, yeah. I don't know the algorithm behind <laughs> it, but our prayers matter. Our prayers are part of God doing what God's going to do. Our yeah. choices matter. Yeah. And so we choose in time to surrender to the good news of the gospel and to make Jesus our king. To say it doesn't matter because God already knows, 
we're just messing. I don't know how we're, we're, we're missing out on the fact that those yeah. work together. Yeah, and they, I mean, if you're interested in reading more Romans 8, Romans chapter 8 would be a great place to go to even think more about that, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. cool. Awesome. You ready? Yeah. You want another one? I'm having fun. Yeah, I can see that. Let me keep with the easy ones. Yep. They didn't laugh. That was your... They're going to be hard questions. Got to laugh while you can. <laughs> They're going to get harder. <laughs> My dad passed away, and I'm not sure where he was in his faith. Is there anything that can assure me he is okay? Uh, yeah, I think every one of us, um, both online and in the room, has at least one person we've known that we are not 100% sure or even maybe a good bit sure of where they are. And so I, I want to give you two words of caution. The first one is we can never, for better or worse, truly know the heart of another person. Only God knows the true heart of a person. I mean, we're really good at acting, and, and so we may look good for a season, and then you know, for another season we're not. Only God knows where that person truly is. So you, you may think they weren't somewhere that they were, and so that is a possibility. The other reality is we never know what is truly taking place in those final moments. Again, only between God and that person. You know, I think it's easy, uh, sadly, um, to sit in a, a church service, for instance, when you're you know, 30 or 20 or 15 or whatever and say, oh, I'll deal with that later or I've got a lot of life left or whatever. I'm busy working, I, I'm busy buying stuff and, and whatever. But at that moment, whatever that moment is between a person and God, is they know that this is it. They know that they are leaving this earth and they realize, man, all those toys don't come with me and all that overtime to buy those toys, that was wasted. And as they're having that moment, and we don't know. We don't know what transpires. So that's the best hope that I can give any of us who are curious about someone who has gone before us. What I would like to do is offer all of us the best piece of advice I know, and that is please don't leave your loved ones to ask this yeah, question. That's right. Don't leave your children, your grandchildren to ask where you are. I mean, yeah, yeah I'm glad somebody yeah. liked that. Thank you. Yeah. Three people are excited. <laughs> See if we can get a better answer next time. But no, in all seriousness, I, I hope, and my job at least seems to give a clue to it, but I hope that no one ever has to wonder about me, that making Jesus my king was obvious to all around me. So I just want to encourage you in that. Like, let's, let's not leave other people in this condition yeah. wondering. <laughs> good job. You're funny, man. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> Am I not supposed to buy nice things for my loved ones? If I'm working hard to provide a comfortable living for my wife and kids and not so much my personal pleasure, am I still storing up my treasures in heaven? By the way... I sacrifice my golf days for time with my family. We tithe, help out the needy wherever possible, and spread the good news often. Yeah, so look, I'm only going based off of what I read between the lines in this question. But if I were talking to you one-on-one, -on -one, I would ask a couple more questions. And I'm pretty sure I would arrive at the, the point of realizing you're, you're dealing with some guilt personally, and some condemnation from the enemy. I, you spoke of Romans, well, there, there is no condemnation for those yeah. who are in Christ. And so, right. because the rest of your question kind of says you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, and yet somehow you still kind of feel so bad about it that you're not even allowed to play golf. 
And uh, look, I don't play golf because I'm really bad at it. I, I mean, no, that, that doesn't even happen. True story, <laughs> true story. We had to play golf for class in PE in high school and my PE teacher fell down laughing because I swung with all my might and the ball never moved, you know? I mean, it's a really tiny ball with just a yeah. long wobbly stick. And so I've never enjoyed, I've kind of got trauma, need some counseling for that moment in my life. I've never enjoyed golf since then. Putt, putt on the other hand, that's okay. Um, but seriously, let me, let me show you what Scripture says about this. It says, look, command those who are rich in this present world, which is anybody living in the Western world, by the way, uh, not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is uncertain. That's a good idea, right? Okay. Uh, but instead, put their hope in God. Now, here we go. Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. There you go. God has blessed us to enjoy life. He's also blessed us to be a blessing, and so we're told to do both, but it is okay for you to enjoy life. It is okay if you play golf some. I'm going to say that because somebody out there has already played golf six times this week and they're like, see, honey, I get to, okay, I'm just going to leave. <laughs> it's okay for you to enjoy the life that God has given you. Matter of fact, one of the hardest things we had to do was choose which scripture to use right here because the Bible is full yeah. of the fact that God has blessed us with life. He's blessed us to enjoy life. So the only question I'll leave you with then is let's keep reading says, then command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. It sounds like from what you're saying, you do that. Matter of fact, you even said in this question, you tithe. That means, for those that aren't aware, you honor God as your provider by giving back the first 10% of all that you get. Okay, so you've already given the first 10% and said, God, that's to show that you're my God. I'm not going to ask any more questions. Yes. Then you said beyond that, you give to people in need. So you are not only obedient, and, and then you're generous, and then you say you help spread the gospel, so maybe you support missionaries, whatever. I mean, it sounds to me like you're doing everything that it said. And it keeps on going by saying that in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. And this question, if you didn't see the whole series, is coming out of uh, Jesus talking about, look, don't store up treasures on earth, store up treasures in heaven. And so this person was trying to get some clarity, but am I doing that or do I need to play less golf? And so, again, I think you might be dealing with a little bit of attack from the enemy because it sounds like you are doing what you need to be doing. We should enjoy life and be yeah, generous. Absolutely. And the and, amazing uh, thing about giving is when we give generously from our hearts, willingly and, and without any kind of selfishness or regret after we give, you know, like buyer's remorse or something, when we give that way, our lives are just explode with with life. Our, God blesses, pours out, you know, shaking down all that stuff, right? Amen. So giving is, yeah, woo, yeah, giving's incredible. Y'all having fun? God loves to give. That's what He does. You ready? No. We're jumping jumping into the deep end. Okay. Well, gay believers go to hell. If you are a part of the LGBTQ community. Are you going straight to hell? That's a question. That we Obviously. Um, <laughs> so we got this question a couple of times, and uh, I, I want to go ahead and say from the beginning, uh, I'm going to ask you to extend a grace to me, and the grace I'm asking for is that I'm going to answer this from the point of view that I believe the Bible is God's word, and the Bible does call yeah. homosexuality a part of our corrupt nature, not uh, the way that God made us. And so um, if you want to have that debate, that is a different debate for a different day. 
um, email Kent Fancher at <laughs> gracelife.church. In all seriousness, I'll be happy to talk with you about that. I really will. Um, I'm going to answer the question from that point of view. Please allow me to do that. Uh, and I'm going to answer it from the same point of view you asked, because whoever asked these two questions, separate people, both seem to understand that being gay is a sin because they're equating that with automatically going to hell. So I'm just going to say that I'm going to answer it from that biblical perspective, and apparently that's yours as well. And so with that being said, let me share with you a few passages out of 1 Corinthians. It says, do you not know that the unrighteous, not right with God, that those who are not right with God will not inherit the kingdom of God. So do not be deceived, neither will the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And so let's just stop right there because Paul wrote this and he wrote several of these similar types of passages where depending on who he is writing to, he added or took a thing off of the list because it's not an all-encompassing list. What he's trying to say is those who are sinners will not inherit the kingdom of God. He was addressing specific sins because this was to the Corinthian church and these were things they were facing as they had already had some conversation. Okay, so with that being said, the, I want to start by making sure that we are not vilifying one sin above another. Sin is our disobedience to God's nature and word. It is our offense against his holiness. And what happens often in the church world uh, is that we highlight a sin above another. And every generation has one. And the, the sin of this generation, uh, at least in my generation, is, is picking on being gay as somehow the, the sin that you're going to hell for that Jesus didn't uh, die for and you can't be redeemed from. But if you look at that list, the list put them all, and again, we're only looking at some things, but the list put them all on equal plane, and it mm -hmm. talked about sexually immoral. So that's every teenager who doesn't wait for marriage. Yep. Um, that's uh, anybody, not mm -hmm. only teenagers, who right. don't wait for marriage. It, it says adulterers. That's anyone who has not been faithful in their marriage. It says idolaters. That means anyone who has put anything before God. It, it says the greedy. And I'm going to look at you because I'm going to make somebody out there mad. And I don't want to make eye contact accidentally, but. <laughs> Keep it right here. As Christians go to church every Sunday, all of them do not honor God with the first 10%. God says, if you don't do that, you're actually stealing from me. That's so not right. only are you a thief from God, but that would make you greedy if you want your money more than to honor God. And it's very mm. funny to me, the number of people that don't tithe that look at a gay person and say, you're in trouble. <clears throat> yeah. So I'm just going to kind of point out maybe a little too much, uh, uh, you know, wine, uh, revilers, uh, swindlers. Okay, so the list is long, right? So let's bring being gay back to an offense against holy, God's holy nature along with everything else that all of us do at least sometime and finish what Paul said. And he says, and such were some of you. Yeah. Were. I'm glad that sentence Past is Past tense there. is the important thing here. Because he goes on to say, but you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. See, what happens when we get saved, if, if you could pull back the curtain, there are really two things uh, essentially that go on. One of them is inside of us and one is in the heavenlies. Inside of us, our heart comes to life. There is a spiritual rebirth and we make Jesus our king. It all kind of happens at the same time. Jesus becoming our king brings us to life spiritually. The Bible says we were dead in our spirit. Now we are alive in our spirit. 
And then there is a thing that happens in the heavenlies because there's a judicial legal thing and that we're justified in the name of Jesus. What happens when our hearts come to life and Jesus is our king is there is a gavel that is hit in the courtroom in heaven, if you can imagine it that way, and God says, you are right with me. It's just like a judge on earth says, innocent. We're, I mean, it's yeah. done. The gavel hits, it's done. There's, there's nothing more. And so that's what God does. So here's the point. If you come to life spiritually, and if you are declared right with God in the heavens, then Paul continues in Ephesians and explains it this way. Then you should put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life which is and was corrupt through those deceitful desires. And now you should be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self. And here's what's important about that new self. It's created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So my concern for every person, not just someone who's gay that says they want to follow Jesus, but any person in anything, is that you know the difference between your old self and your new self. That's the issue. And if there's not a new self that's being made in the likeness of God, then there's a disconnect. And so, look, I really just want to, to, if I can, address the way that that first question was worded. Will gay believers go to hell? Because there's a double identity in that. There's an old manner identity, an old self, right. and then supposedly a new self. And that is a problem for everybody. If you can imagine, if, if, if let's remove gay because people get stuck on that one. And let's, let's just say that uh, I'm an adulteress, uh, an adulterer. And, and so if I said, well, I'm an adulterous pastor, that would seem a little contradictory, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, if, sure. if you like to steal before you, you became a believer and you said, I'm a thieving pastor, that would be a little, <laughs> we definitely wouldn't let you hold the offering basket, that's for sure. No. Man, you know, like, no. Everybody watch that boy. Okay. Here's the point. Um, Every human has a desire, some desires that are not perfectly holy. That's, that's our nature, right? Right. right. And so I, I like to teach it this way. Every one of us needs to deal with desire before it becomes action and before we declare it identity. So there's one thing to, to have a desire that says, man, I, I feel poor and I would just love to steal that new car over there. You know, I can't afford my own new car. I just love to steal that one. Okay, that's a desire. You can repent of that desire. Then you get into trouble when you take a step and you act on it. You actually steal a car because now you have committed a sin. You have stolen. But then let's say that you don't like that car a week later and you steal a new car every single week. Now you actually take on an identity of being a thief. It's hard to say, can a thief believer go to hell? Because I would say, well, wait a minute. How can a believer not if Jesus Christ died for you and rose again and that's genuine to you, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, how can you continue to do what you used to do and not change that? Yeah. And so the issue is when yeah. you are taking on this double identity. And again, we're not going to pick on gay more than anything else. Uh, I, I've got lots of, of people that I know and love personally that, that, that that's their struggle. What you've got to deal with is, is the desire that is corrupt within you something that you are putting to your old self and you are choosing different actions and then your identity is believer, period. My identity is servant of the king, follower of Jesus Christ. And we all have that same thing, that same journey. The concern is that some people uh, say, I'm just good with my old self. God's just gonna have to deal with that. He's, it, I'm just gonna trust the love of God to ignore that. That's just dangerous territory. That's all I'm going to say. Yes. Yeah. 
Because, like, when we get baptized, we're doing baptisms next week. Woo, I mean, we're on. saying, you know, when you come up, come up out of the water, I'm a new person, the new self. I'm, it's a demonstration that I'm putting the new self on. Yes. Oh, I was just thinking while you were talking about that, there's this verse at the end of Jude just about putting on. It's not about putting on Christ, but it's about the power of the cross working in our life to help us put him, put him on. And it says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling... And to make you stand in his presence blameless with great joy. Yeah. God's faithful. He'll do that if we'll, put him, if we'll in faith, put Jesus on, like yep. you're talking about. So can Jesus forgive the desire to be homosexual? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can Jesus desi- uh, forgive the action of being homosexual? Absolutely. Absolutely, as any sin. Yeah. Um, if we want to just repeatedly carry on that action and even declare that our identity is where you have to... You have to question, yeah. is Jesus, is, is salvation real? And, yeah. or was that a prayer you said to avoid hell one day? Um, you know, because mm-hmm. if, if there's a right with God in the heaven, then that, as we read, you're created in the likeness. You're becoming more like God, not yeah. continuing to act and have an identity contrary to God's nature. Yeah, well, that's good. Woo, Ooh. that was the deep end of the pool. Woo, I hope it does not get deeper than that. Yeah. Okay, let's do an easier one. Okay. Will we be married in heaven? Nope. Sorry, Lane. There you go. All right, so I know right now some of you are really sad about that. Feel free to demonstrate that to your spouse. Some of you secretly went, woo! In which case, we will be doing a marriage series soon, and uh, God help you. Look, here's what Jesus said about it. In the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. And we're going to talk about angels in a minute. So I want to clarify, they're not saying that we'll take on an angel's body, just saying that we will not be married because angels are not married. And so I'm going to do this quickly so we can move on. All of the reasons for marriage on earth are gone in heaven. The first one is multiply. God looked at Adam and Eve and said, be fruitful and multiply. Well, I mean, right now, today, there's almost 8 billion people on the earth, not counting the millennia that came before. So heaven, as well as hell, will be particularly crowded in both cases. We will not need more. Uh, Then God made Adam and said, it's not good that Adam be alone. And so what he was saying, in general, Adam needs community, and in specific, Adam needs one person in community whom they can be fully known and still fully loved. Okay, well, first of all, we will have that perfect community in heaven. And because we will all have glorified souls, it means that we won't have anything to hide from everyone else. It also means that everyone will fully love us for who God made us to be, which we won't need that one secret partner to love us when no one else does. And then ultimately, the, the idea of marriage on earth, the third reason, is to model Jesus and the bride, Jesus and the church, mm-hmm. through unconditional love and uh, lifelong commitment. And yeah. so that's what we're supposed to model. Well, we won't need to model what we are then existing are. as a yeah. part of in heaven. Yeah. So, no, there you go. Good news, bad news, I'll leave that up to you. All right. All right, do we become angels when we die and go to heaven? We do not. There's all kinds of things Hollywood has wrong. One of my favorite Christmas movies, Christmas time, y'all should watch it. It's a wonderful life. And every time a bell rings, an angel gets their wings. Yeah. No. Okay, you know, <laughs> there's just so many things not biblical. One of them is we do not turn into angels, okay? Uh, we didn't say this in the last service, but I feel like being funny. Okay, <laughs> Jesus is coming back on a horse which means there's a horse in heaven. Mm -hmm. A horse is different from a human. An angel is different from a human. The idea that we would turn into an angel is equivalent to we'd turn into a horse. (laughs) 
We are made as humans. That's right. We are made in the image of God. This is who we are. We're not going to take on a completely different form. Uh, By the way, uh, the Bible says our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. And his glorious body, even when he had resurrected and come back to the earth, he, he hung out with them for like 40, 40 days. He, yep. He cooked. He cooked. So he, he touched ate. things. He, they touched him. Yep. Yeah. And he ate food. And yeah, he walked through walls. Which is really strange. I like that. Because he touched, they could touch him, they ate things, and he popped into rooms with locked doors. Yep. I am looking forward to both of those. And he didn't do anything to his indigestion. <laughs> Apparently. Walked right through the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woo! Okay, let's do another one. Okay. Squeeze one more in. How, how is Hades different than the concept of purgatory? Okay, so Hades, we, ooh, I got loud all of a sudden there. We talked about uh, the fact there will be a new heaven and a new earth because God is going to either restore or remake, or that's another debate that, that theologians have when they're bored. Uh, you know, is, will God fully replace or just renew? But this world is corrupt. And so God is going to make a new heavens and a new earth. That much is very clear in Scripture. And so what that means is believers die and go to what is really a temporary heaven because there will be a a new heaven and it will be combined with the earth and it will all be perfect and go back and hear part one. Um, And then there will also, apparently, as as people die and are not believers, they go to an awaiting place for judgment, which is known as Hades. And Hades and those people will be thrown into hell, the lake of fire. Okay, so if you missed that, that's what this person is asking about. And so some of you uh, probably have a, a Catholic heritage and an upbringing that says that if you're not a believer, you die and go to a place called purgatory until someone prays you out of it or something. So look, I'm going to read this just so I don't mess it up or offend anyone because I'm just answering the question. It says, the Catholic teaching about purgatory is that if at the end of a Christian's earthly life, this debt of justice was not satisfied. He or she shall be purified in purgatory before entering heaven. And there are two very significant problems with this. The first one is that somehow your debt could be paid. That like you did enough good stuff. You went to church enough. you, You did all of those things so that when you died, this debt of justice was paid. That's the first problem because the Bible is very clear. We're not saved by works, but by faith alone. And so it's either faith or not faith. And that's, that's yep. the end of that. And so then the second problem is it would imply if you somehow didn't do enough good works in heaven, I'm sorry, on earth, then you can now do good works in heaven or somebody can do them on your behalf and pray them and whatever. And so, uh, look, that's just not what we see. Um, what we see, according to Jesus' teaching on heaven and hell, is nobody's going from one to the other. I also talked about it last week in part two. You can go back and hear this, but nobody repents. There's actually scriptural passage showing that people are experiencing judgment and no one said, oops, I'm sorry, let me change. No one gets a transfer. So when Jesus was teaching on it, here's the uh, story that he explained. He said, there's a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and he feasted sumptuously every day. At his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried uh, by the angel's side, uh, by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end 
of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he's comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able to, and none may cross from there to us. None may cross from there to us. And when Jesus spoke of this day of great judgment, he, he didn't imply or state that anybody that was in the group on his left would suddenly be moved to the group on his right. Yeah. He, he didn't. That's right. It was determined by what took place in this life. And some people have tried to say, well, that's not a, a factual understanding of heaven or hell. That's just a parable Jesus taught. It's not. Go look it up. It's not a parable. Jesus was answering matter-of-fact questions. Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. He was talking to humans. He rebuked them for being Pharisees. Then he talked about marriage and divorce. It was not a parable. He talked about, this was not a parable. And for Jesus to talk about heaven and hell and give us this understanding as though there's, there's a separation that can't be changed, but then it was only a fictitious story. That would be very right. deceptive and not a very good savior. So what we do know is that it is in this life and only in this life that we determine the location of our eternal future. This life and only in this life. And again, back, I think it was question number two when we were talking about why did God allow hell? Yeah. I want to remind you, God allows and created a way out of hell. God is the one who sent his son to die on the cross. And that's what we can never forget. So, yeah. One more? Praise God. One more. What happens to people who live in places and never hear the word of God or about Jesus? And this is a very serious question. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, we even partner with, one of our things as our mission as a church is to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And we partner with four uh, people groups there are a long list, there's a long list. There are a lot of people groups uh, that exist that do not have any knowledge of Jesus. Uh, they do not have the scriptures in their name. They do not have a church to go to. There is no way they could wake up today if they wanted to and go worship the King of Kings. They, they couldn't because they don't know. And so the reality is even in 2020, that actually exists. But the misunderstanding we have about their judgment is this. The Bible says, look, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, all, every one of us, every human. And so the misunderstanding that a lot of us have as Christians is we believe that people go to hell for rejecting Jesus. Not correct. We go to hell for our sinful offense yeah. against God. We go to hell for sinning. We go to hell because we have offended God's perfect holy nature. And so some people would say, well, that's not fair. We go to hell if we aren't saved by Jesus. That's not fair. And I would say, you are right. It is not fair that some of us are saved by Jesus. <laughs> yeah. No one ever thinks of it that way, but that's the truth. That's the truth. Yeah. It is very fair that a human pays for their sins. That's fair. Humans sinned. Humans committed an offense against God. Yeah. Humans pay for their sin, that is fair. Mm -hmm. And so for someone to go, well, that's not fair. So, wait a minute, it's perfectly fair that someone go to hell. That's, that was their destination. That's what they chose. That's what they did. Yep. It's not fair that some of us are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Whew. It's called grace. 
So next time you want to cry, that's not fair. Keep in mind, it actually goes the other way. It's not fair that you get to be forgiven. And so the question then is, well, wait a minute. If they can't call on the name of Jesus and they can't be forgiven, I want to remind you what the Bible says, that every human can look and see there is a God. Romans 1 says it this way, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And here you go. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. How, God? In the things that have been made. So they're without excuse. For although they knew, knew God, they, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. What that means is every human should be able to look at the sky and see a sunset, see the world and go, wow, God, you're amazing. I don't know much about you. I don't, I don't even know what your name is, but you're amazing. They should be able to watch a child being born or look at the design of the human eye or, I mean, we could just keep going. We did a science series you may want to go back and, and look at. I mean, it's just amazing when we look at nature and see there is a God. We should all go, wow, God. Then the question is, what does each person do with that general revelation? The truth is, you and I are blessed. We, we are in a country that's got Bibles all around us, churches on every corner, and it's easy for us to go and say, tell me more about that God. It is true that some people do not live in such places. But what we do know, and this is true, is that God has gone even places where man hasn't. There have been people in some of these villages that tell the story of Jesus showing up at the foot of their bed. They've, they've had dreams, they've had visions, they've had angelic visitations where God has shown up in places before even we've gotten there with missionaries in the gospel. It's, it's truly amazing. And so one thing it should do is just remind us of how important it is that we go. This is why a part of everything that's given here goes to missions and, and goes outside of these walls because it's not just about us. It is about those people. We, again, can't tell. For every person who looks up and says, wow, God, what does God do to reveal himself to them in that place? We do know that God has shown up in miraculous ways. We do know that God has told us to go and tell. And that really is our response. Because sadly, anyone who does go to hell is doing so fairly. The good news of the gospel is that you're right, God isn't fair because he saves those who call the name of the Son. And our job is to take that to as many as possible. And then finally for today, we need to respond to that. If there's anyone here or online with us that has yet to make Jesus your king, now's the time. Now's the time to understand that God revealed himself very specifically by saying, this is my son. I love you so much that my son is giving his life for you. And that's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he was raised from the dead so that his life broken, his bloodshed pays for our sins so we can be saved by him. But then because the power that raised him from the dead also will raise us, we have eternal life. And so if you are here today or, or with us online and you have never made Jesus your king to respond to this truth, I wanna help you do that right now. Would you everybody pray with me? Lord God, 
We thank you that you died for us. Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And so now, I want to live for you. I thank you that you have not left me to pay for my own sins, even as fair as that might be. Instead, I thank you that you love me. And I thank you that I am forgiven. And so my simple prayer here today is that you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom. Amen. Everybody help me celebrate with those people. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.